late signing day, what used to be known as the normal signing day is in progress. Another kind of low key day for the Iowa Hawkeyes, but they did add one member uh, to the 2022 class. A few walk-ons, uh, David Eichholz, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, Swarmcast, Part 24-7 Sports. Sean, we're used to Iowa really having things locked down in the early signing period, but I still think there's a few significant storylines this time around, and obviously we're going to take a big, big look ahead at what could be, I think, a very critical and a very, very potentially good, maybe even historic 2023 class for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, you know, we I think a big part of it, too, is you know, Kirk's got the extension now. There's, I think there's going to be a lot of, lot less questions about, oh, is he going to be here for the rest of my career? Uh, the negative recruiting will probably still happen. But for, for Iowa, I think it's a good thing because of how many top targets they're in on. But uh, before we get into all that, Sean, obviously you've turned out a bunch of content, uh, another signing day, another class finally done. Uh, and, and you grade the, the, the 2022 class the other day, and I thought it was a very good piece. Be sure to read that Hawkeye Insider but Sean, I think back-to-back recruiting classes for Iowa, just very, very good, solid, uh, fundamentally sound classes I think they can really build off of. Right, yeah. I, I think one way of putting it is a high-floor class. And, you know, I think that's a really, really good description. Obviously, in the 2021 class, you got you had guys like Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, Connor Colby, who, you know, you kind of figured would make early impacts. Maybe not Connor Colby as much as Arlen and Keegan, but – you know, in this 2022 class, you got guys at the top that can make potential impacts and you got some guys, you know, towards the middle and, you know, towards the upper part that can make impacts, maybe not in year one, but potentially get themselves into the rotation pretty solidly in year two and year three. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote before that it's a guy, it's a class with a lot of high floors, a class where, you know, you, you still have guys that are going to develop, but you have guys that are going to, you know, you know what you're going to get out of them or you have a feeling that they're going to impact impact the program in some way considering, um, you know, looking at the trends of the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's a it's a really solid class. I mean, 2021 obviously set the standard, I think, for this 2022 class. And, you know, I know a lot of things really didn't go 2022's way to start, especially in June. And, you know, obviously COVID kind of pushed things back a little bit. But I think based on the way that, things were trending at one point in the summer that where you're looking at now is, is really promising. And obviously let's talk about this. The 2022 class did add one more member to its secondary, which we became aware, I think what late last week that this, this was potentially in the works. Uh, but you know, Deshaun Lee Bellevue high school, uh, I was stolen a lot of really good kids from there. Came on Merriweather one Brandon Diaz Fernandez, and that's one that traditionally, I think, one of the top smaller schools in Michigan. It feels like they're in the state title every year. They go deep in the state playoffs. What they've done is pretty, pretty insane, I think, when you look at the reputation. But, you know, again, Phil Parker gets, a, you know, I'll say an under the radar guy, but I think you need to give a lot of credit to Alan True and 24 7 Sports, rating him in 87 um, and a high three star by us, despite maybe a lack of high offers. But, Sean, this is a guy that potentially Phil Parker special, and that really does add to Iowa's secondary class which after only taking one commit one guy in the 2021 class I mean they went all in on that secondary and I think it's paid off in a big big way yeah and obviously a lot of people didn't really um you know enjoy that they got it off late I mean I think you know I think they picked up all those those initial four defensive back signees in December Mm -hmm. um starting with Xavier Nwampa and then obviously TJ Hall Cohen and and Edringer and uh, Orlando Trader during that last official visit before the early signing day. 
um, and obviously Lee this past weekend. And yeah, I mean, you said, Dave, I think it's a really, really intriguing defensive back class. And I'll, I'll go with Lee because we've talked about TJ and the others so much. But I think with Lee, I think Phil Parker really described it right as in terms of a playmaker. He's listed at five foot ten. 175 pounds, um, played wide receiver, cornerback for his high school team, showed a lot of really great speed with his route running, um, you know, just straight line speed in general and just made plays. And I think when you look at defensive backs, especially cornerbacks, that's what you want in those types of guys. Um, it's just the ability to make plays, the ability to use their speed and, you know, do certain things that, you know, maybe not other positions are able to show as much. And, you know, that usually translates well to defensive to the defensive back full time because, you know, you can use those ball skills, you can use those coverage skills, um, you know, all that speed that goes into a route run. You're able to decipher where guys are going, how to really, you know, cut those routes off or, you know, defend mm -hmm. those routes. There's a lot that goes into it. And with Deshaun Lee, I think the Iowa staff has talked to him more about the cash position. That's what he told me when I talked to him the other day. Um Obviously, you know, a lot of people question the size because they're used to guys like Dane Belton, who are more of six foot two, um, 205 pounds. But remember that they were other guys, too, that they threw into the mix there that really yeah. made good options at the cash spot. Um, some work out. But, you know, I think with Lee's skill set, with his speed and his ability to get downhill if he needs to, um, I think that gives Iowa an edge from a coverage or an edge from a uh, coverage standpoint, um, along with the speed, because I think what what he brings to the table is really, really what the cash position wants and what the cash position needs. Obviously you want a little more size on him. And I think he's going to beef up greatly once he gets to Iowa, but you know, I think the starter kid is there in terms of, you know, what he can bring to the table as far as, uh, you know, athleticism and speed. Yeah. And I think you, I think you summed up really well too. And I, you know, I, I think when you look at Iowa's secondary, look at the cash position specifically, I think, you know, guys that do play both both ways in high school, receiver, DB, I think it really it really does help them understand from the offensive perspective. And when you have Phil Parker, who is so entrenched in football, you know, analytics, you know, remember when he interviews defensive back prospects, he goes, OK, how far is it from this yard line to the sideline? How far is the sideline to sideline? Like he gets into those intricacies and the angles of that. And I think if you can play both sides of the ball, I, I think that really does help you when you do get to Iowa and you do get under uh, Phil Parker. So I, I think you summed up really well there, but uh, Sean, I know we've talked about this quite a bit, but I think it's time we really, really take a look uh, at the 2023 class. I mean, it, you know, recruiting doesn't sleep Iowa. Uh, I think it's done a very good job of setting a good fundamental, uh, good foundation for the 2023 class with the three commits they got. But I mean, Sean, this is the last, you know, I can't remember the last time that Iowa's really been in on, I don't want to say top targets, but very, very highly touted prospects that they have a legitimate shot at landing. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to, but there's a lot of top talent that, you know, are kind of raising their eyebrows and looking at Iowa very, very hard. And I think that Iowa's done a really, really good job from up front. So let's just go with a basic overview and we'll start diving into the specifics of it. Yeah, and I think Kirk kind of hit on it um, in December when he said Iowa's greatest asset is to get guys on campus get them there in Kinnick for a game day and, you know, get them face-to-face -face time with the coaches. And, you know, that's, that's not something they had with a lot of the 2022 guys um, or any of the 2022 guys with their junior season with the, uh, when those 2022 guys were in their junior season. Um, and that's usually kind of a prime time, even sophomore year too, but junior season, especially kind of a prime time for them to get in front of these coaches 
getting get inside Kinnick, see what an atmosphere is like, you know, really get a feel for what Iowa football is all about from that perspective. And, you know, that's kind of why maybe they didn't land some of the guys that they initially wanted in the 2022 class. You know, everything worked out, you know, how it should have. And I think the staff, I know the staff is really happy about where things stand now, but maybe they could have hit on some of those other guys too. And, you know, I think that's where things are going with this 2023 class as well. You know, they're some of the guys that they've offered in the last couple of weeks weren't on campus for game day visits yet, but they got to go to junior days. You know, they got to meet with the coaches for a limited time at their schools face to face. You know, obviously you can't have too much interaction with them for NCAA rules, but, you know, just got to see that interaction, got to, you know, get a little feel for what they're all about, talk to their coach in person. And that's a really positive thing for a program like Iowa. Obviously, Iowa has a lot to offer from a strength and conditioning standpoint. And, you know, Kinnick's a great place to watch a game. Obviously, the tradition um, of Iowa football. And then, you know, Kirk Ferentz getting that extension, you know, the NFL success that they've had. But, you know, it makes a real difference getting getting in front of the coaches, getting in front of the players and, you know, seeing what Iowa's all about from a first-person point of view as opposed to, you know, just hearing about it from the outside. And, you know, I think these junior day visits that they had last week or, you know, two weekends ago and then, you know, the one coming up on March 5th are really important for, you know, building the foundation of the 2023 class, which is which is already in actually a really good spot with the three commitments of uh, Ben Keeter, Maddox, Borchering, Johnson, and then Marco Lina is the four-star quarterback from New Jersey. So, you know, it's in a good spot now, but I think really with the way that things are going and, you know, the way things are trending with some of these 2023 targets and getting these guys on campus, it's a really promising start to what could be a really strong class here in the next couple months. And getting Marco Line, as we, we touched on this in a previous podcast, but Sean, it's massive. I think you get your quarterback early in the process. I know Iowa didn't really land that in the 2022 class early on. They end up getting Carson May, who was, I, I think, a high, you know, I, I'll say, I don't want to say a late riser, but in the rankings wise, I mean, he was kind of a, he was kind of a high riser as his senior season came about, but you know, I mean, let's dive into some of the targets. For example, we, we mentioned, I mean, obviously top of the list, two names immediately pop out. It's Kane Proctor, five-star offensive tackle, Southeast Polk, teammates with Xavier Wampa, who's currently enrolled at Iowa. And then I, you know, at least my top target for Iowa, and I think a lot of people's top target, just because of how good Iowa's offensive line recruiting has been, uh, Kyler Casper. And that's going to be one that, you know, Iowa has every single – connection I think known demand that you could ever ask for but it doesn't make it any easier especially when you look at the caliber of talent he is at wide receiver the offers he's gonna I think continue to reel in here in Ohio State I think here in Georgia uh, about a couple weeks ago I mean this is a guy Sean that you know he grew up a diehard Hawkeye but I think you know as long as you've covered recruiting and I've been entrenched in this as well fandom only goes so far with a lot of these guys especially when they land these big time offers like it's it's, it's one thing to grow up and be like, oh, I want to go play for Iowa. I want to go play for Iowa State. I want to go play for these schools. But once you're in the process and you understand there's a bigger perspective and more things on the line, you're going to be able to go out and, you know, look at other schools, I think, with a clear and open mind. But, uh, Sean, I guess, like I said, let's just dive in some of the top targets. Caden Proctor and, and Kyler Casper will go from there. Yeah, I did a uh, ranking the top 11 most important targets in the 2023 class in December, I think it was December 19th, so a day or two after the early signing day. So I wanted to put some more focus on 2023. Um, and I, yeah, I put Caden Proctor and Kyler Casper at the top. I think you kind of interchange both of those guys. I was sitting well with both of them, but you know, there's going to be competition for both. I think 
you know, I've mentioned before, I think where I like where Iowa sits the best with Proctor and, you know, Casper, obviously there was some really good talk about Iowa in the fall. I mean, you can't ignore visiting Iowa twice on your own dime, you know, even with the connections of his father and his family, um, visiting Iowa twice on your own dime in a matter of weeks. And, you know, I think that was a really positive thing for Iowa too. And, you know, there, there seems to be more schools getting involved there. Obviously Notre Dame is going to be talked about um, with their new receivers coach, Ohio state, UCLA is a program they like a lot. Georgia really opened their eyes a little bit and, you know, there are a number of other schools, too, that have their interests. I, I think Iowa's still in a good spot there, but, you know, still still time to go. Um, and, you know, I think I also want to touch on some of the in-state guys, too. I think, you know, you look at Alex Moda from Marion, you look at Jamison Patton from Des Moines Roosevelt. I think Patton translates more to safety and maybe even cash if you want there. But Alex Moda as well from Marion, you know, all was all cornerback at first, and now Iowa's talking about, wide receiver potentially for him, which, I mean, makes makes sense in the slot. And, you know, having a lot of guys, too, in the 2021 class really, really makes it interesting as well with depending on, you know, if I, Iowa wants Moda at cornerback long-term. And, yeah. you know, you talk about Casper and, and Proctor. I think, you know, you look at Moda and Pat, and I think those are two really important guys in this class as well because, you know, not only are they in-state guys, but Iowa State was the first to offer both of them. And, you know, there was talk that Patton was going to commit to the Cyclones early in the fall, but wanted to hold things off a bit. Now he's starting to pick things up a little bit more and that recruitment starting to take off. And then Moda as well, Iowa State, built a really good report with him early, still really heavily involved and said all wide receiver for him, which really has opened his eyes. But, you know, those are two guys that I really think you can't lose to Iowa State. I mean, Patton. Maybe because, you know, he's got connections to Iowa State. Both of his two of his like biggest high school coaches played for the Cyclones. Obviously, there's a lot of connections there. It's close to home. Mm -hmm. um, but a guy like Alex Moda, too, from Marion, grew up a big-time Hawkeye fan. Obviously, you know, that really doesn't play too much of a factor in most recruitments. I mean, here here and there it does. But, you know, and a guy like Alex Moda, you know, you you kind of expect him at first to be one to commit to Iowa, like, pretty early, you know, in some years. But Moda really is really taking his time with the process. And, you know, there's a reason why Wisconsin wants him, too. And a reason why, you know, uh, Nebraska is looking at him closely. Iowa State really wants him. Like, he's a really good talent. He doesn't get to show as much in high school because he plays quarterback. Um, but I think, you know, his athleticism and his playmaking skills when he gets the opportunities are something that you really can't pass up on and something that Iowa really needs to capitalize on this in this class. And, you know, I think they've turned it up for Urbandale, uh, wide receiver Kai Black as well. And that's another one, too, yeah. that could come down to Iowa and Iowa State. And you know, you talk about Iowa winning these battles in state and, you know, obviously they've had a lot of success against Iowa the last, you know, however many years, um, you know, you got to win these recruiting battles and, you know, they had a little taste of losing some of these in the last cycle, but, you know, I think it's really important for them to get that momentum back with some of the in-state. I'm not saying they're losing any momentum with any in-state guys, but, you know, it's really important to land some of these guys and beat out Iowa state for a number of these guys that, you know, you'd beat out in the past. I mean, it just continues to show that they want to continue their presence in the state landing top targets and showing what they can do with them. I mean, I, I think Iowa's priority, and they've said it multiple times when we've talked to Tyler Barnes, Kirk Ferentz, Brian, whoever, they said, look, our number one priority is to lock down local talent. And that's exactly what they want to do. I mean, they're, they're always going to put the full court press on it. I think they did a really great job, remember, because Reese Morgan had the state on lock for Iowa. 
for years. And I think when he left, there was a lot of fear that, you know, how is Iowa going to be able to lock down these top targets? And I think the way Kirk and them have really handled that situation, I think they've done a very nice job, especially with Iowa State. You know, whether people like it or not, they were trending upward. I think next year is going to be a very interesting year for Cyclone football. Uh, I think it's going to be a big year for Matt Campbell. I think it's going to be a big year for the future of the program just because of how much they lose. But like you said, Sean, you got to be able to lock down the in-state borders. Another couple of targets I think that are really, really important. I, I think Caden Green, uh, who's been a top target for Iowa, long offensive tackle, uh, six foot five, three ten, at a least summit. Uh, Missouri, which Iowa, I think, has done a really good job down there. They've really tried to make a footprint in that area, despite, you know, Missouri really having a nice recruiting class in 2022. I think they're ranked 12th currently by 24-7 sports. Uh, but Iowa's done a really, really nice job with Kane Green. And, it, I mean, you talk about landing him and Proctor. I mean, Sean, that's that's uh, that's up there with the uh, 2020, I think the 2021 class as far as notoriety for the offensive line. I mean, that would be a very, very big haul for, for Iowa, figuratively and literally. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Caden Green. I think these next couple of weeks and months, too, will be really indicative of where, you know, things are leaning with him. You know, there's a lot of Oklahoma talk, obviously, with his head coach um, playing at Oklahoma. Iowa got in, you know, a little later than some of them, but you know, made a really strong first impression. There was a really a lot of positive buzz for, you know, Iowa um, during the fall after that Penn State game especially, but I think it's kind of slowed down a little bit. So that'll be something to keep an eye on over the next uh, next couple of uh, weeks and months. But, you know, I think with Missouri too, and, you know, Caden's more towards Kansas City, so you go the other side of the state in St. Louis, I think that's yeah. becoming a really re important recruiting area for Iowa this cycle as well. You talk about Mac Markway, the four-star yeah. tight end on uh, DeSmet um, in St. Louis, legacy guy, visited this past weekend, you know, or not this past weekend, a couple weeks ago, um, decommitted from Florida. I think Iowa, um, Miami, Florida, and then Texas A&M and LSU are four schools to watch there right now. And obviously Tim Brewster, the former Florida coach, tight ends coach, depending on what happens, you know, to him and his next stop, I think that's going to be one to keep an eye on because that's a guy that Mac really liked and really grew a fond relationship with. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Tyler Gant out of Christian Brothers College prep, um, three-star defensive lineman who I think could maybe, you know, earn that high three-star rank, especially maybe even four, depending on how he does as a senior. You know, I was in a battle there with Iowa State, Wisconsin, um, Illinois, uh, Iowa State, Kentucky, you know, and Arkansas, a number of other schools, too, um, that are still fighting for him. He's he's one that Iowa really likes. Kelvin Bell and LeVar Woods are are running that ship. 
Um, and then Zach Ortworth, the new offer from St. Louis University uh, High, SLU High, one of the most prestigious schools in the area, um, really has a great starter kit for a tight end at 605, 220 pounds. And, you know, Iowa's in a really good position there early in the process. Probably his biggest offer to this point be interested to see what other schools come in. But, you know, you talk about those three guys, and then it'll be interesting to see what happens at the running back position too. Um, they offered uh, Jeremiah Love from Christian Brothers College Prep, same school as Tyler Gant. Um, and they have, I think Iowa has like three or four guys, maybe in like four or five guys, that they seem to be really pushing to get at the running back spot um, in this 2023 class with Jeremiah Love being one of them. So, you know, St. Louis has become, I don't think Iowa's landed a guy in St. Louis, a scholarship guy at least, uh, since the 2018 class in Dallas credit. I remember looking at that the other day. So that area has become a really important focal point for this staff um, in landing some of those guys from there. And Because, I mean, it hasn't really been a huge focus before. I think yeah. it just seems to be – where things are, where things are coming from or where things are, you know, trending in this class and the guys they like, but you know, that's a really important area for the staff for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think, you know, Mac Markway is going to be a huge target. I was obviously going all in on him. And you talk about again, all the connections, his dad played for, I believe his dad was tied in for Iowa. His dad's also very good friends with LeVar Woods, who's the main recruiter for him. I mean, there's a lot of connections there, but you know, it, 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 it's going to be interesting to me because I do think that Iowa's done a good job of tight end recruiting. I know that, you know, some people, are, I don't want to say are scoffing at Iowa's 2022 tight ends. I know you're a big fan of, of both of them. I think one of them is at least going to really pan out. But I think Iowa, just because of the reputation for tight ends, they really want to land a highly touted one. I, I think if you get Mark way, I think that's a good start, but yeah, Sean, like, like you said, I think the 2023 class is going to be, it's, it's an interesting thing to watch. I think another guy that we need to just touch on, which, you know, I'm not sure really what the chances are here, but it's been a frequently asked question. Caden uh, Fagan, uh, who's between Illinois, Notre Dame, Iowa, but it just seems like the longer this sort of drags on, Sean, the more it's just sort of like, eh. I mean, you know, it's just sort of that one of those feelings that is he waiting for a better offer? Is he waiting for Notre Dame to say, hey, you can pull the trigger, we'll take you? Or kind of what's the, what's the buzz around him right now? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it where you said, um, you know, kind of just waiting to see things we're at. Obviously, Notre Dame had a couple changes at the coaching in the coaching staff. Um, you know, not too much movement, but obviously a couple guys here and there. So I think that's one way of looking at it. They just hired a new running back coach this past week in uh, McCullough from Indiana. Mm -hmm. So that'll be something to watch, too. And, you know, maybe even Vegan doesn't doesn't play running back the next next level he could be a defensive end he could be a linebacker you know he, he's got he's listed as an athlete for a reason I know Iowa likes him at running back I think Illinois likes him at running back too but could also have him play a different spot on defense so that'll be an interesting recruitment as well I know Iowa Illinois Notre Dame have been the top three for quite some time Purdue's trying to get in there as well but it seems like those three have really emerged for him and you know he visited for Iowa's junior day a couple weeks ago, um, or yeah, like two weeks ago, um, and really liked it. You know, he didn't really go on record with much stuff, but because I mean, it's kind of junior day stuff, and you know, he's still trying to fill things out a little bit. But yeah, you know, I think Iowa, Iowa's put their best foot forward there. I think there's a lot to sell. Um, you know, he's 30 minutes from Champaign, so I think Illinois, and you know, if he plays running back, that's kind of like the epitome of what Brett Belima wants in a running back if he ends up playing running back. So you know, it, it's going to be fascinating down the stretch. I know he really wanted to make an earlier decision 
and that's kind of, you know, held off a little bit. But, you know, I think I think there's reason to believe that Notre Dame and Illinois are probably in the best spot there, but I think Iowa's got got a fighting chance too. Sean, let me ask you this. What's the most important recruiting area for Iowa? Not position-wise, but what Ooh. just as far as landscape for the 2023 class, because I think you could go a couple of different directions. I'll I'll give you mine just so you have a second to think about. I, I love how Iowa's trying to aggressively attack Florida right now with Liddell Betts. I think that you really need to get into Florida. You need to steal some of those, maybe I won't say under the radar guys, but like I, I think we've said this before too, Sean. If you can get a top 30 or top 40 player out of Florida, that's a top three player in the state of Iowa. That that's that's just the way it is. That's just how much talent there is there. And they need to continue to utilize those connections because I think Iowa has a pretty good track record for the most part when they get guys out of Florida. Uh, I think, like you said, I think you could throw St. Louis in that category. I think the Iowa in-state stuff is very important with, with some of the talent that they got. But I love use, utilizing Liddell Betts down in Florida. I think it's a very good thing if they continue to attack. That gets some of that SEC speed, some of those big-time playmakers. Uh, and I think that they're going to be in on a couple of them. I don't know necessarily how many they'll land. But, I, I, again, I love the strategy of them attacking Florida early on in the process. Yeah, I think Florida is especially important. Um, you touched on it there. I touched on St. Louis a bit and kind of Missouri as a whole. I think Michigan is also important as well, depending on, you know, how they attack their running backs. But I think Darius Taylor out of Wild Lake, Wild Lake Western is a really good prospect. They offered a couple guys from Detroit King, Messiah Blair, and um, Merriweather. I almost said Kayvon Merriweather, but um, it was, uh, it was uh, crap. It was Kenneth Merriweather, so it was close. Um, yeah, those are those are three guys that Iowa really likes. I know Messiah Blair is more of kind of a Chauncey Golson type guy, and that's where the Iowa staff is compared to him a little bit. I know a couple guys on our message board said, you know, he's got an Anthony Nelson starter pack too. I think that could also apply. Um, so I think, you know, you talk about Florida, you talk about Michigan, you talk about St. Louis. I think those are really – two important spots. And, you know, there's a couple guys from Indianapolis as well. Kendrick Gilbert, a defensive lineman who I believe is planning to visit for Iowa's junior day have not totally confirmed that yet. Um, and then you talk about Joshua Mickens from Lawrence central, who, mm-hmm. you know, I think is more of a long shot at this point, but told me that he's planning to visit Iowa for one of junior days as well. So I think, I think you talk about Indiana a little bit, but I think the three most important spots right now are probably um, St. Louis, Florida, um, and then Michigan. Maybe you can throw Arizona in there as well. I know Kyler Casper obviously could probably equal like three or four, three or four commits or three or four prospects, considering how massive a pickup he'd be. And you know, we've heard talk to of David that he potentially contribute at Iowa right away if he if he ends up picking the Hawkeyes. But you know, there's a there's a helm to climb there. I think Iowa's still in a good good position, but you know, that's, it's hard to beat those schools, no matter who, no matter who's coming at you, um, no matter who you are. Uh, so it's going to be, or no matter what connections you have. So that's going to be a climb, you know, Michael Gardner, I think that's how you say his name from Liberty high school there in Peoria, Arizona is another guy that's coming up for one of Iowa's junior days. I think he's going to Iowa and Iowa or Iowa state in Wisconsin as well during that weekend. Um, Arizona is really involved with him and He's a guy that Iowa, I think, could potentially land as well from that area. But, you know, th- there's a couple of really important areas. We talk about the in-state. That's always that's always a spot that you need to get. Yep. But I think you look at the other spots, too, and, you know, those are equally as important because you want to you, you want to expand 
those boundaries a little bit, extend those territories. You know, you love getting the in-state guys, but, you know, you pick up a guy like Xavier and Wonkpa, and I think that really sets a precedent nationally. Yep. Um, and if you can continue to grow on that, then that's that's all the positives. That's exactly where I was going with my, with my counterpoint too, Sean. I mean, you look at what Xavier Wampa did just as far as, look, how you get dudes to Iowa outside of the development, outside of the coaching staff. It's personality and swagger. It, it just is. That, that's the way the modern recruiting game works. You get dudes recruit dudes. Wampa got more, I think, pretty good players come with him. You get Kyler Casper early in the process. I mean, Sean, you, you know the Caspers like they and this is, is nothing but compliment like they have a swagger to them. There's a certain precedent that they have. They have a different personality that sort of draws you in. And it, it would be hard for me to believe that Kyler would not be able to recruit some other dudes. And he's a very, very popular kid in Arizona and on the West Coast as far as just football wise. Like he, you know, th- there's a certain personality aspect in that I think could really bring a lot. And I, I mean, I'll say this, too. I think he'd be Iowa's most talented wide receiver recruit that they've gotten this decade, at least, just as far as a starter pack goes, because 6'5", I think 195 is currently what we have him listed. That's not official what he could be now. He could throw on another 15, 20 pounds. He can get those 50-50 balls turned to 80-20 balls. Uh, Again, you you talk about the ripple effect of recruiting. Iowa gets more of a West Coast presence if they get Kyler Casper, and that's sort of why I said – He's at least my number. He'd be my number one target on the board. And I again, I do believe that he is Iowa's number one or two target, along with with Caden Proctor. Uh, and I don't want to sit here and be like, "Oh, this is the most important recruit that Iowa's ever gone after." No, but could it change the tide of Iowa recruiting? Yes, but I'd also argue that Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson have started that sort of ripple effect with what they did last year. And you know, it goes back to our earlier conversation about the fandom. The Caspers are diehard Hawkeyes. Like I think anybody that's seen Kevin Casper or talked to him or seen his social media knows that he is a diehard Hawkeye fan. But at the end of the day, when you have uh, you know your son that's that highly touted of a wide receiver prospect, and you look at Iowa's numbers as far as wide receivers go in the passing game, you're going to need more than a lot of connections to be able to land him. I mean, Iowa's going to have to convince him, hey, you can come in. Here's your route tree. This is what we're doing different. To, continue, to utilize our wide receivers, our talented wide receivers, because we've talked about this again, Sean. Iowa's best playmakers next year, proven playmakers, are Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson, a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, he's definitely, like we said, too. I mean, you know, obviously from a talent perspective, you know, it lines up that he could play right away. But, yeah, you said, I mean, the X receiver is a need for Iowa. And that's going to be one of the big question point, question marks, too, coming into this offseason is, you know, who can emerge as that exhibition guy? And obviously, Casper wouldn't be on campus next year. But, you know, if he were to pick Iowa, he's a guy that could compete right away. You know, what if it's a problem this year as well that Iowa doesn't have an next spot? And, you know, I know a lot of people talk about Iowa not being able to sell the passing game because, you know, it really wasn't that consistent this year. But, you know, Dave, we talked about this, too you know, what if you sell the cash for that? He can be the difference maker. And, you know, that kind of all hits people different ways. But, you know, I think with a guy like Kyler, you know, that could potentially be something that he really looks at and really, really sees himself being in, you know, being that day one impact guy, you know, really changing sort of offense around. You know, you don't want to put too much pressure on a kid right away, but I think he has that ability to really make a difference early if he picks Iowa. The other part, too, I'd throw in, Sean, is, 
dudes want to play against the best. You get Xavier Wampa, you have Iowa secondary. Like Kyler would be going up against one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the country. There's that's just what it is under Phil Parker. It's going to continue to be that way under Phil Parker, especially with who they recruit. Uh, but like you said, I think it's a good point. It hits guys differently. But you know, I, I'd also counter it with this. This is why I think people need to keep in mind about Kyler as well. While he could be the difference maker. Is he willing to roll the dice on a potential eight-figure future salary to go be that difference maker? Or is he going to go to a blue blood where it's pretty much guaranteed he's going to get an NFL shot? And I think that's going to be something that people need to keep in mind. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you don't want to speculate on anything too, but I think the transfer portal adds a different aspect to it. And, you know, I think, you know, he's going to look and see what his options are. You know, you don't, I'm not going to say he's going to hit the transfer portal, but you know, I'm just speaking from a broad perspective that, yeah. you know, that's kind of where things are at with where college football is at. And, you know, I think I think Iowa, I mean, I talked about before, I think Iowa's going to have a good shot here, be interested to see what happens. But, you know, he brings a lot of things that you want. And, you know, I think us spending all this time talking about us probably means he's the most important target in this class. I mean, yeah, I mean, I like I said, I, I think so, too, just because of the out-of-state prospect too and if you're trying to get into the west coast that's the type of dude you got to bring in to break into the west coast i know iowa doesn't really want to be out there that much but you still want the footprint out there and i think that would go a long way uh but sean any final thoughts about Iowa's 2023 class right now i think they're in a good spot again we've talked about how many different highly tied prospects they're in on iowa right now has back-to-back top 30 classes i believe they're ranked 28th um as of 11 a.m on signing day, I think they're going to be able to close out top 30, but we'll see what other sort of movement uh, happens. But I, again, I was recruiting trending upward. If they keep winning games, I think it's going to be, obviously it's going to, it's just going to correlate into recruiting. And I, I guess before actually Sean, before we get your final thoughts, I mean, how big of a deal is the Kirk contract extension just from a recruiting standpoint? I think I was in a really good job of selling that, Hey, he's not going anywhere, but now it's actually pen to paper. Like he's probably going to be there by the time all these kids either graduate, leave early, go to the NFL, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. I wrote a couple pieces about it too. And, you know, recruits really like that he's staying because, you know, it's, it's, I think, you know, the Lincoln Riley stuff this year, I mean, you've seen coaches leave in the past and, you know, leave surprisingly, but I think the Lincoln Riley stuff this year really opened a lot of recruits eyes to seeing that, you know, they're, <laughs> Like they're not coaches aren't here for, you know, forever. And, you know, it's really rare to have the type of stability that Iowa has and, you know, the consistency that they have in the program with the staff and, you know, all that, all that shebang. And, you know, I think Iowa extending Kirk and, you know, you've seen tweets before from the Iowa staff saying, you know, like Kirk's locked in and everything. Been, but, you know, negative recruiting is a really real thing, especially when it comes to, you know, coming against Iowa and saying like, hey, like, you know, certain schools saying like, hey, Kirk's gone soon. Like, you know, it's not in your best interest to go there because he's probably not even the coach by the time you hit the field. But, you know, having that locked in, having that set, I think that really set an important precedent for, you know, not just, you know, the recruits, but for college football as a whole, because, you know, Kirk's staying and, you know, staying consistent, you know, not only set that reminder to the 2023 class, but also, you know, 2024, 2025. I can't believe we're getting to that point, but you know, those, those types of recruits, you know, those guys, you know, Yosef Vanessa's, um, you know, I think that's really the only 2025 guy I can name right now, but yeah, you know, those types of recruits that, 
you know, might not be on the radar yet, but will be soon. You know, I think that really sets an important reminder for them. Sweet 2025 class, I'll be 30. That's that's a very good <laughs> <laughs> it's a very scary thing to think about. Uh Sean, yeah, like I said, final thoughts 2023 class. Uh I think I think I think Iowa's in a good spot. I think they have a shot at it, depending on the size of the class, obviously see with the transfer portal, like you said, it's a new wrinkle and everything. It's kind of hard to predict how many guys they'll end up taking because of it. Uh, but you know, I think I will continue to dabble in the transfer portal. Who, kn- who knows how many guys will go out, but you know, early on, Sean, I think this Iowa could get a top 25 class in 2023. If, if I want to say things continue to go as expected, but based on who they're, who they're in on based on where they're sitting right now, and then probably the percentage chance they're going to land it. I think Iowa could have a third straight, at least top 30 class in 2023, if not even better. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic for sure. Um, you know, it's still early, still things need to be worked out. Obviously, a lot of people want to know, you know, who I was leading for, you know, who are they great spot? And there's a number of guys that are in good spots in, but, you know, it's going to be, you got to let things play out a little bit and see how, you know, these junior day goes, how they get, you know, it's some of their first times being in front of the coaching staff. So got to see how these junior day goes, got to see how, you know, other schools do and, you know, how things are played out. And, you know, I think we'll get some, uh, get some, you know, better intel of where things stand in the next couple of months for sure. Maybe even weeks. It'll be interesting to see how many, if Iowa tries to utilize the spring official visits as well. Uh, in this cycle, because assuming that's going to happen during spring football and all that, Sean, I think that could play a factor as well. I mean, we know how Iowa did with Tyler Goodson. That really secured him up when they used it on him. So I think that they're more uh, open to that than they have been previously. But yeah, Sean, Sean has a bunch of great content, HawkeyeInsider.com. This is the last day to get 60% off an annual subscription. Details are on the site. Uh, We'd love to have you join the community and continue to support the work uh, that Sean and I do. But Sean, plenty of exciting news ahead. I know today is going to be a very busy day with Kirk Ferentz meeting with the media for the first time since the season ended. I mean, where do you even begin with all the storylines that have happened over the past month? But uh, we'll be sure to have you all up to date there. Again, HawkeyeInsider.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247 and be sure to stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth analysis, news, and scoop. Uh, for the University of Iowa Hawkeyes. But uh, until then, talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.